Dr. Dana Varble is with us. Dr. Dana Varble is the exotic pet vet here in Chicago, but she's also the chief veterinary officer for the North American Veterinary Community. How are you today? I'm great, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I get a little sneezy and eyes a little watery, especially from the tree pollen. But I'm telling you what, my dog, Hank, he's like mm-hmm. using his paws to rub his nose. I have to keep cleaning his eyes. Is that allergies or is that just dust blowing in his face? What is that? It could be both, but, you know, this is it's time to talk allergy season, yeah, because we're about to get into you. Despite the fact that it might snow on Monday, we if you look outside, you're going to see a lot more flowers. Trees are coming to life. We're going to see a lot more pollen in the air. And we know that a large percentage of dogs, especially dogs, but cats as well, suffer from allergies this time of year. So keep an eye on your furry friends because their skin might start bothering them. Yeah, they get itchy and scratchy. Thank are there you. shots yeah. available for that or do you give them an oral medication? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot more medications than there used to be, Lisa. And, and I know you've got this problem with one of your pets. So, you know, it's really challenging. For us, when we get allergies, usually they affect our, you know, eyes, nose, runny nose, drippy eyes. You can probably hear it. I'm certainly feeling it a little bit today. For whatever reason, dog allergies seem to primarily affect their skin. So kind of the same chemicals and reactions that occur in our nose, mouth, and eyes seem to occur on their skin. So the topical, or pardon me, the the oral medications that we have for people are mainly antihistamines and decongestants. And the bad news is decongestants are toxic to dogs, so you want to stay away from those. And antihistamines don't work really well on the skin, so bummer. But, you know, there are a lot of good medications that your veterinarian can provide, including some injections, some that are nice because they may only have to do them once a month or once every few months if your dog has seasonal allergies. So, unfortunately, it's a trip to the vet for dog allergies. You know, uh, my dog, Hank, obviously, he's always Mm -hmm. a topic of my conversation because he's neurotic (laughs) and he's a border collie and... He's like, I'd rather be in a farm chasing sheep. And he's getting older. He's 12. But he is one of those itchers, chronic, nonstop to where you, everybody in the yeah. house is like, stop. You're making us crazy. And the shots don't work yeah. um, because I feel it's oh. more like compulsive or neurotic. But yeah. could that? I know you did a day-long symposium on skin allergies. Skin stuff. It, yeah, I was just speaking with two of our... Our leading experts on dermatology, um, they just did a day-long presentation on dermatology for other veterinarians. It's so, so challenging because, yeah, sometimes those allergy problems, just like Hank, turn into bad habits. And I think we've talked about this before, too. Sometimes, you know, just like picking your fingernails or chewing on your fingernails feels good, sometimes they start to chew on their feet because they've got allergies, and then it becomes a bad habit, yeah. Okay. Dr. Dana Varble is with us. You can call 312-981-7200. We've got some text questions coming in. Please ask Dr. Varble how to prevent zinc deficiency in huskies. Zinc deficiency in huskies. Somebody's going to make me do my research out there. Wow. Yeah, I don't... Never heard of yeah, that. I've I mean, got a husky. I don't even, yeah. I would think whoever tested them and, and told them there was a deficiency would somehow have a solution yeah. for it. 
you know, and usually in veterinary medicine, we see zinc toxicity more often. So believe it or not, pennies are actually not mainly copper. They're mainly zinc. And if dogs, because they're silly, eat things they're not supposed to, zinc toxicity can cause damage to red blood cells and anemia. And it can be you know, very severe, even unfortunately, even fatal if it's not caught in time. So obviously, keep your dogs from eating change. But I, I, I think everyone knows that. Yeah, yeah but, but yeah, they're yeah. crazy. They do silly things like that. You're right. They do. Yeah, zinc deficiency is going to be harder. And, you know, that's something, you know, usually well-balanced diet. So, you know, our kibbles that are AFCO approved are going to have a healthy combination of vitamins and minerals in them. But, you know, occasionally dogs get these very strange deficiencies because of either genetic or congenital disorders. So if that's the case, it may be, again, something to talk to your veterinarian about because you may even need a, a veterinary nutritionist to help consult with that kind of problem. Hmm. That sounds pretty specialist. Uh, Dr. Dana Barbel, Chief Veterinary Officer for the North American Veterinary Community, is with us. I've never asked us or asked you, what, what pets do you have? <laughs> that's a good question. So right now I have two dogs, I, you know. Of course, when you're a veterinarian, sometimes you you end up with your pets kind of flux and go. At one point, I have as many as four dogs. I have a Leonberger named Cody. He just weighed in at his latest annual exam at 129.2 pounds. So wow. He is, my, <laughs> he is my gentle giant, though. He is a very calm, actually pretty good dog. I have a brown kind of pit bully lab mix named Hannah, and she's like, Hank, she's a little bit older now. She's 10. I have four ball pythons, all of which were captive bred, all pets. And I have a captive bred animal called a New Caledonian giant gecko. They're very similar to crested geckos. And believe it or not, we also keep a very large tank of cichlids, and we've even had success breeding our cichlid fish. So... I've got quite a menagerie here. <laughs> as you should, as you should. You're an exotic pet vet. Uh, what, yeah, how do, how do people all. feel when they come to your house and they're like, wait, you, you've got four <laughs> ball pythons? <laughs> four snakes. Yeah, sometimes it makes people nervous. You know, ball pythons are very interesting, though. They're they're a really a very, very common pet snake species for a couple of reasons. They were... They're not very aggressive animals. If you've ever met one, they're notoriously kind of lazy, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. They can actually get have a lot of problems in captivity. Lisa, this is going to make you laugh with obesity. <laughs> <laughs> they just don't do anything. Yeah. So they're really good pets because they're not very active. They're not prone to bite. Um, they tend to not be, you know, but they're very long-lived. They're they're very just docile, good pets. They've been bred in captivity now for, you know, it kind of depends on the reports, but they started getting imported into the U.S. kind of mid-last uh, century. So they've been captive bred now for anywhere from, like, probably at least 50 years. So they're bordering on being domestic animals, and they're pretty pretty good pets at this point. Are those the snakes in Florida that people keep releasing that are now becoming a nuisance? <laughs> No, but they're similar species. Those are Burmese pythons. Oh, yeah. right, right. Burmese pythons, I, you know, Burmese, Burmese pythons are interesting because they're, they're again, they're big, kind of lazy snakes prone to obesity, very similar to our ball pythons. But ball pythons top about 
four or five pounds, maybe two to three feet long. Burmese pythons, on the other hand, can be 9, 10, 12, 15 feet long even, and are sometimes several hundred pounds. So they are just, to be honest, some people can keep them as pets because, again, they're pretty docile, but they're huge, huge animals and have a lot of space requirements and need, you know, kind of a large area to live in. I don't recommend them as pets for that reason alone. Uh, I think that's um, a pretty good recommendation, doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Dana Varble is with us. She's a chief veterinary officer of the North American Veterinary Community, and she's also Chicago's exotic pet vet. If you've got a question, give us a buzz, 312-981-7200. We'll talk about the price of vet services and why some people are going to Mexico. We love Fridays when Dr. Dana Barbel joins us because, let's face it, we have every doctor on imaginable from Northwestern Medicine. What about all the needs we have when it comes to our cats, our dogs, our snakes, guinea pigs? This is where you can get your questions answered on 720 WGN. Dr. Dana Barbel is the Chief Veterinary Officer for the North American Veterinary Community. I saw that over 33,000 dogs were taken over the border into Mexico to vet clinics. They, you know, people go there to get their cosmetic surgery. Now they're calling it pet vet tourism. Obviously, no one in Chicago is going to do that because it's a little far away. But the, the story went on to say that they anticipate a shortage of veterinarians in America by 2030 because so many people went out during the pandemic and got dogs. That seems kind of yeah. odd, right? Is there a shortage of people in your business? Well, there, you know, we've talked about this, Lisa, and it's something that we're still undergoing and trying to understand it because, you know, well, you're right. I mean, the pet population in the U.S. has been growing. And, yeah, the pandemic, we got a lot more people, got a lot more pets, a lot faster than usual during the pandemic. And that's settled down a little bit, you know, since everybody's had to go back to work. But we know that pet popularity is growing. Conversely, the other really interesting thing is we know that pet owners want more for their pets. You know, we're not treating dogs and cats like they're backyard species. You know, our dogs aren't living in the backyard. They're living in our house. We want advanced care for them. You know, we want things like MRIs and CT scans and advanced surgery and cancer care. So we know that the demand for veterinary medicine is going up, you know, exponentially. So our field is really trying to address how do we train more veterinarians? How do we utilize our veterinary technicians and our veterinary technician specialists even better? Um, And in fact, Arkansas just passed a new law that allows veterinary technician specialists to work with a veterinarian remotely to provide more services. Hmm. And it's going to become really important, especially in rural areas. You know, around right. Chicago, we always joke, like, if, if you turn around the corner at one vet clinic, you're almost going to, you can almost walk in the door to another. We have a lot of vets and a lot of clinics here. And luckily, we also know that in Chicago, we have a lot of low-cost or income-based um, options if you are in a financial situation with your pet. So luckily, you don't have to go to Mexico. You right. can look into some of those those other options. But it is interesting because we know we need to utilize the knowledge and experience of our vet techs even more. And I think as pet owners, you know, there's a lot of things that they can offer you uh, that they might have time for that your veterinarian doesn't. So I tell people, like we were just talking about skin stuff. Skin 
stuff can be hard. It can be really challenging. If you need to learn to give allergy injections at home or insulin injections for diabetics, I always say, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to put you in a room with my veterinary technician to teach you those things or yeah, to talk about key. nutrition or exercise. Yeah. Okay, rapid-fire questions. I got to get you on on because they are coming in fast and furious. So we've got, if we can get through like six questions and a few phone calls. Uh, Number one, is there an alternative allergy medicine to Apoquil? They're paying $420 for three months. You know, it's hang in there because the rumor is it's going to go, there's going to be a generic coming out very soon. So that's the good news. Hang in there. Is stale bread bad for dogs? (laughs) <laughs> That's what uh, not really <laughs> okay um, we always want to be careful with any food that might be getting moldy or have bacteria on it and again you, you make sure you're not using it to con- if your dog's starting to head towards overweight but yeah. probably not a crisis no uh ticks obviously a big issue with lyme disease yeah. any prevention that you would suggest you know a lot of the veterinary medications for fleas also cover ticks so double check, you might already be covered and not even realize it. Okay, let's go to line one. Apparently, it's um, it's about a cat who's eating a plant. Okay. Tell me about it. What what plant is your cat Ooh, eating? Okay. Hi, yeah. Hi, yeah. My husband bought a snake plant or a mother-in-law plant, really pretty plant, and we put it in the corner of the living room. Um, all of a sudden, the cat has these lumps around his neck, and I'm Ooh. wondering... If maybe he's been nibbling on, I don't see any chew marks on the plant, but I know he was eating a spider plant. Spider plants are okay. non-toxic. I put it outside because I'm like, no, no, he shouldn't be eating that. But now I'm like, what if he has been nibbling that that other plant? Is he? Did we poison our cat? This is my question. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. You know, those spider plant and mother-in-law tongue plants, they're not really toxic. For some reason, cats are really drawn to them. You're not the first one to tell me that. They can be an irritant. So, I mean, I think it's time to maybe go make an appointment at the vet and make sure there's nothing wrong in the mouth. But I wouldn't expect the lumps from that. And I wonder a little bit if you've either got feline acne or or maybe some sort of dental issue going on. But, yeah, I mean, you might have to hide that plant from your cat because, again, not great for them, but I don't think that's what caused this issue. And let's jump to line three real quick. Carl, you've got you've got an a cat with allergy issues. Yeah, yeah minor, you know, uh, eye thing. I was just wondering, doctor, can you suggest anything over the counter in the form of eye drops during this season? Yeah, I mean that's always a little challenging. Eyes can be very sensitive, so you always want to be very cautious with what you use in animals' eyes. You know, if they're just kind of seeming like they're a little weepy or irritated, you can use some of the, like, uh, the saline drops that are just over-the-counter or the moisturizing drops, even in cats, very safe. Again, if you're seeing big changes in eyes, though, eyes are one of those interesting things. They look fine one day, and you're in an emergency situation with eyes the next day. Right. So if you're at all concerned, yeah, it might be time to just have that double-checked and make sure it's nothing more serious. Yeah. Yeah. I had a cat with herpes, and it always, the infection mm. always presented in her eyes. So, yeah, definitely yeah. get your cat checked. Uh, the pictures much, of the... Yeah. Uh, Allergies coming in are absolutely horrific. Um, tell people oh. what, what would be a good website for them to check out whenever they have cat or dog questions. 
You know, the American College of Veterinary Dermatology uh, is a specialist website. Those are those special veterinarians with extra training in skin diseases. And the other thing I will mention after talking to those wonderful dermatologist specialists last week, Dr. Santoro and Dr. White, and they really stress the importance of topical treatments. You know, those mousses or shampoos, even if you can't do them as often as maybe would be ideal, just getting some of those treatments on the skin can really help cool it, help get rid of some of the bacteria or the inflammatory factors on it. They were really big fans of them, and they're so safe and good for your pets. So Thank you so much. into those. I adore her. Dr. Dana Varble, Chief Veterinary Officer for the North American Veterinary Community. We're so appreciative of her.